To answer is human, to question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome back to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. I am your host, Justin Williams. Now, before we get started with this week's show, I just want to ask if you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe to the show on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This will be a tremendous help for us to reach an even larger audience across all platforms. As always, your support is greatly appreciated, and I thank you all. Today, good people, we have a really cool guest for you all. His name is A.F. Branco, also known as Tony. (laughs) Tony has taken two of his greatest passions, which is art and politics, and translated them into cartoons that have been popular all over the country in various news outlets, including Newsmax, Fox News, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, and The Washington Post. He has been recognized by such personalities as Representative Devin Nunes, Dinesh D'Souza, James Woods, Chris Salito, Sarah Palin, Larry Elder, Lars Larson, Rush Limbaugh, and even the man, President Donald Trump. Tony, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Hey, I first learned about you, man. Maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know, man, about a year and a half, two years ago, and, uh, uh, saw your work, love what you do, and then a, a really good friend of mine. He said, "Hey, Jay, you need to, you need to get get him on the show." So, uh, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, my pleasure. All right. Well, hey, I like to typically start off conversations with you simply telling us a little bit about you, man. I would love to know your path, your journey to uh, get to what you do today. Well, um, I'm I'm just a, a regular everyday guy. Uh, I went to college for a little bit. I went to college probably for about three years, but I never did graduate. And uh, I just uh, found a way to vent my feelings and my ideas about what's going on in the world. Uh, I dabbled in in political cartoons off and on throughout the years, uh, but never seriously, never as a uh, never intended it to be a career. But then uh, right around the time Obama came on scene, I didn't like what was happening there with Obamacare and a lot of different uh, things that he was trying to institute into our government. Um, 
so my way of communicating that, and about that time, Facebook and Twitter were just coming on. They weren't full blown yet, but they were starting to come on. And I was, I decided to put them up on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, fairly soon after that, people started uh, following me. Uh, I thought it was really great that I had 100 followers. And then pretty soon, within a few days, it turned into hundreds and then thousands. And uh, it just ballooned into something that I didn't really imagine happening because basically it was just me wanting to get my thoughts and and a message out there. Um, It wasn't intended, like I said earlier, it wasn't intended to be a career or to make a million dollars off of it or anything. It was just to just to get people to see a different perspective, uh, friends and family and and various people. Very cool, man. Now, did you you always love to draw? Is that something you did in your youth a lot or? Yes. Um, I probably started drawing from, you know, before I started grade school. Uh, and, it, and it's it's something that's evolved. I like to do it. I like impressing people with drawings. I like communicating through drawings. Um, and I've often joked that I, I probably put more focus on that than I did other academic, uh, endeavors like math and English and that, but, uh, it's kind of paid off in the long run. Uh, but yeah, I, I've done it all ever since I was uh, a, a child through grade school into high school, um, uh, you know, and it carried on. I after I got out of the military, I started a graphic business uh, oh. and screen printing business, and I um, uh, kind of built it from there. Uh, had that for about ten years, and in, intermixed into that was uh, drawing some cartoons and posting them on a website I had, but it wasn't really serious. It was just something I would do once in a while. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm glad you brought up the military. I, I've- I was going to ask you because I, I was going to say, I feel like I remember I either heard or read that you were in the military at, at one point. What what branch were you in? Were you Army? I was in the Police? Army MP Corps. Um, okay. 543rd MP Corps. And uh, that's where I was stationed, first of all. And then uh, I was there uh, just about probably a year and a half in Fort Knox, Kentucky. And then mm-hmm. transferred to Fort Ord. So I never did see any overseas duty. It was right after the Vietnam War, uh, okay. So I didn't, uh, I didn't see any, any war or uh, battle scenes or anything like that, fortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, and I was, they had three-year terms back then, and I was, uh, I was in for the full three, three years and honorably discharged, but had no desire to go back in, <laughs> stay in actually. Yeah. And man, how has the military changed since you were in there, man? Um, I mean, some of the things that 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 are going on uh, with, I'll say, alternative lifestyles, right, Mm -hmm. that are allowed in the military. And we'll we'll dig deep into that in in, in just a bit. But um, I want you to tell me, Tony, about um, your time in the military and how that may have shaped your thoughts in regards to a lot of things that you draw about today. Plus. I heard you talk about your dad. Tell me about how he raised you and some of the talks 
that he had with you that that shaped your thoughts regarding a lot about a lot about what's happening in the world today? Well, I was fortunate enough to have two sides, not not a left side or a right side, but two sides and two perspectives that were very valuable to me. My dad was very conservative as far as uh, government policy goes, Ronald Reagan, uh, those type of things. And we lived in California at the time, or my, my entire family was born and raised in California. My mom and dad were divorced later, and then we moved up to Washington State. But pretty much all my life up until I was 18, I lived uh, along the coast of Mendocino County in California. And uh, the perspectives I got were, uh, my mother was pretty religious. We went to church uh, three nights a week. We went to church Sunday, sometimes twice on Sunday, Wednesdays, and then Friday nights, and then Sunday twice again. So I got that perspective, which I value, although I don't adhere to it as much as I should now, but uh, it gave me an underpinning of of a spiritual look on things. My dad was, he believed in, in God. He believed in Christ. He believed in all things, but he wasn't very much a, a follower, a guy that goes to church. But he did have a way of looking at things differently than what some of the perceptions I was getting at school. Some of the, uh, the ideas that were being floated around and I would come home and I would talk about these things. And he would say, okay, well, let's look at it this way. The whole idea of taking taxes from people to give to other people and taking money from, from, from one source and then giving to people that aren't working for it, those kind of perspectives, which get, turned a light on for me in a lot of ways with how politicians spoke and he had a way, and this is before, you know, right-wing media. This is before Rush Limbaugh. This is before Fox News. And he had a way of looking at the news that was probably slanted slightly left at that time. You had the big three. You had CBS, ABC, and NBC uh, okay. mainly. And, and then the local news, which probably slanted a little bit left. But a lot of people were all watching the same news. And he had a way of being able to decipher and to look between the lines of what they were saying to pick out uh, the flies and the rice, so to speak. And uh, wow, nice. that was uh, that was uh, that was probably uh, I mean, that was probably a, a, a good influence on why I think the way I do and and what I'm looking for when I'm looking at different issues that are happening today. Excellent, excellent. So now today you're able to pick pick between the flies and the rice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool, yeah. man. Very cool. I would use another term. I love here. <laughs> nah, man, that's fine. Yeah. That's that's fine, man. That's that's okay. So do you consider yourself a guerrilla artist in the sense of maybe like Bansky using cartoons to spur change? Yes, I, I guess that would be a good good analogy. Um, yeah. I've kind of looked at myself as an activist cartoonist. Um, mm. I don't adhere to any anybody. I don't uh, I don't allow anybody to alter my perspective, or I won't draw anything that I don't believe in myself. Um, I've had people, you know, 
come to me and ask me to do a cartoon. And if it, if it goes against what I believe at all, um, if it doesn't adhere to my values, um, I have to decline it. Um, because part of, part of my message, part of why I do most of why I started and why I'm still doing it is because it has to adhere to a certain message. Uh, if you want to see uh, something from the left or the middle of the road or whatever that's out there, you, there's plenty of that out there. So um, you can watch that on television. You can watch that on night nighttime TV. Uh, you can look at that in any any assortment of political cartoons. But I have to be true to what I believe and uh, stay to it because um, if I don't, then there's no really no point in it for me if I don't. I I love that Tony, and see I I really I really think or I know that that's a a dying mindset in in today's society, right? Um, like you said, you're you're true to what you believe, and and that that comes out in your art. You haven't sold out, you know. No. So that also tells me that you don't do what you do for money, and no. you you stand in your truth, man. So so hats off to you for that, brother. That that's Thanks, really man. really cool. Thank you. Really cool. Thank you. So. You're welcome, for sure. So I, I know you're in Washington State, as you said. Tell me, what's the tone in Washington State? I know it's a blue state. Do you see some of the same things happening there that are happening in California, you know, such as the indoctrination of children regarding sex and alternative lifestyles, or, or maybe even like some of the chaos and confusion that we see that's happening in San Francisco nowadays? Yeah, it's happening here abundantly. Um, and I, I I blame a lot of that on uh, mail-in voting. Uh, for some reason, since mail-in voting came in, uh, things have changed. We were, I guess, maybe a, what you call a purple state. Uh, one time we had, at times, we had gov uh, Republican governors. We had uh, Democrat governors. But then all that seemed to change uh, quite a few years ago when they brought in mail-in voting. And it and it got to the point where you just didn't have one day of voting. You had uh, a week's worth of voting. And if, if the Democrat didn't get enough votes, they would have a recount. And then miraculously, <laughs> miraculously, miraculously new right. votes, they found them in a trunk or in a bathroom somewhere. And then, uh, and then if they, if they didn't, uh, if they didn't grow the enough votes, they would they would have another recount and miraculously some more votes were found but they never in all the elections they never seemed to favor the republican for some reason mm, and so i've seen that, that and 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 with the with the schools um uh, ensley the governor here is 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 not a leader he's a follower he looks around at what all the other liberal states and the liberals are doing and and adheres to what they want as far as environmentalist um, issues go, as far as anything that comes down the pike from the the hard radical left, he seems to try to try to go in that direction, which is a shame. Yeah, and it seems like those states in the Pacific Northwest, like Washington, Oregon, um, even okay, obviously San Francisco, they all seem to always have some crazy stuff going on every few years that is implemented by by the left, right? I remember my wife and I, we visited uh, Seattle 
This had to be in 2000, I think it was probably 21. Yeah, about two years ago. And we were down there at, uh, what is it, Fisherman's Wharf, that, that market down there, that famous market. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we see a police escort, and it was probably at least 150, 200 guys marching, dressed in all black. And, I, you know, I think they were some type of radical group. And my wife got scared. I'm like, it's all right, babe. We don't have anything to wor worry about. But we had never seen anything like that in person. Mm -hmm. And we were like, wow, this is this is this is this is the real deal here, man. It was crazy. So what, what, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy, man, that mm -hmm. those things happen in those cities. I call those beacon cities, man. I think there's a, a group of people uh, some organization that that purposely implements those type of riots and groups in the play. And they maybe even be tester cities, man. They may be preparing for something else down the line. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts is that it's it's Marxism on mm -hmm. steroids. Uh, this has been in the works for years. It didn't, didn't just start in the last 10, 20 years. It started probably in the 40s, in the 50s. And uh, okay. the name that keeps popping up today is Marcos, who is a, um, a staunch Marxist, radical, um, uh, violent. Uh, he, I mean, he inspired Bill Ayers and his wife, Dawn. And it, it's been going on a long time. And they've never, you know, they had what was the um, Weather Underground and different organizations that tried to um, violently change America, but they got pushed back. They got locked up. They got put in jail. They were bombing courthouses, police stations, and people mm. were dying. And the government really came down hard on them. So they they took a different route back in the 60s. They went or later on in the 70s. They, they scaled back, and now they're, for the last 20 years, have been on the long march through the institutions. And mm. what I mean by that, and this is all documented, it's, it's not hyperbole, it's not, um, it's not conspiracy. This is this spoke about, they speak about it. So uh, if people really pay attention and understand what's going on, they've entrenched themselves into all bureaucracies. And this... Uh, Obama accelerated it uh, because he believes it. He believes in this, the radical change to the left. When he said uh, we're about to fundamentally transform America, that is exactly what he meant. And if you read anything about Obama, that he was raised by his grandparents in a lot of ways. He was raised by his grandparents who were communists. His, his main mentor in Hawaii was Frank Marshall Davis who was an avowed communist, wrote books and essays on it. And he basically uh, mentored Obama with this type of thing. And then when Obama came uh, to uh, the United States on a foreign uh, scholarship of some sort, I don't know, but he, he came there and he went to Occidental. He hung out with communists. He hung out with Palestinians and uh, people from the hard left. That's that's who he liked to be around. Um, I think he was groomed to be president because oh, yeah. no matter what you think about Obama, he has great oratory skills and he is, uh -huh. is very charismatic. 
and not to mention that great smile he has. And when he came on the scene, uh, I started doing some research because I kind of got up caught up in what he was saying. I kind of got caught up in what he talked about. But it was all designed to get the entire United States to go in his direction. And the most of the people didn't understand who Obama is. But I read a lot about him. I understand where he's coming from and what direction he wants to be as far as being geared, uh, being also mentored by Reverend Wright in a church for 20 years. So I understand where he's coming from. I know what his objectives are. And I believe, and not to rattle on too much about this, but I believe that Obama is nothing more than his third term. And oh yeah, and okay. when Obama came on, the other thing that that flooded the country, because I thought, and this could be my na- naivety, you know, being naive, but I thought that race relations were on a traje- a positive trajectory over the last um, 30, 40 years, and it was is moving to a point um, that was better and better. But when, for some reason, when Obama came on the scene, it just seemed like it just seemed like the race relations and the tension just intensified. I don't know if it was there all the time, but it seemed like he poured gasoline on it through some of the rhetoric that he allowed to be um, thrown out there, and um, people people were flooded, I believe, with white guilt. Even conservatives that I knew that voted for him in spite of him being a hard leftist, they voted for him anyway, because they wanted to prove something inside themselves that they weren't racist. And I saw that happen a lot with people that I knew to be somewhat conservative. They voted for Bush. They voted for Reagan. They voted, you know, not all of them, but a few of them. So there's an underpinning psychology there that I didn't know existed because I wasn't basing anything on color. I was basing it on, okay, what are you going to do for the country and what direction are you going to take the country in? And a lot of people were pretty much ignorant to that, maybe, um, as far as looking at things in that perspective. They just they just wanted the best, and they wanted the best country. And they figured, okay, if we, we vote for Obama, that'll prove that we're not racist. And... Um, so I, I think that Obama hurt the race relations in this country in, in, a, in a drastic way. And then from that, bred the BLM riots. And, uh, and you, you were speaking earlier, where is all this coming from with the people dressed in black suits? Well, I believe they, they are being cultivated by the hardcore left. Um, they're Soros-funded. They're they're funded. They have lots of money. And if and I read this, I've been reading this book called uh, The March. to uh, the, And I can't remember the title of the book. It's in it's in the other room, but it's talking about the long march to the institutions, how how the left has conquered the United States. And gosh, I wish I could remember his uh, his name, but. Anyway, uh, it goes way back, and the this is this is purposeful. 
they wait for a thing like George Floyd to happen. And that's when they seize, that's when they seize on it. Um, uh, Ferguson, for instance, with um, uh, oh, yeah. Mr. Brown, um, who attacked the cop and tried to take his gun and then attacked him right. again and was shot. And then it, it uh, fermented the idea that the hands up, don't shoot was real and it's not real. It was totally fabricated and built on a lie. And, but the left used it anyway to ferment um, destruction and, uh, and they look for these opportunities like this to advance their cause. And then the Democrats just sit back and let it happen. They, right. they, they fund their bail. They, you had Kamala Harris funding the, the, the bail for some of these crooks and these rioters. Um, at the same time, you know, grandma taking selfies in the Capitol needs to be put in prison for the rest of her life. Oh man. It's, right. it's the, it, you know, the, the two tiered look at justice is also purposeful. We, we should have one, one tier justice for everyone. Everyone should be in the same plane, whether you're black, white, uh, conservative, de Democrat, um, it's just, but it, it isn't that way right now. That's basically, basically the way I feel about that. If I, if I articulate it properly. All right, Tony, thanks for sharing that, man. Uh, next question for you. Do you believe the left is intentionally destroying this country? Yes, I do. Um, absolutely. I think there are two types of people on the left. There's the, uh, the uninformed voter who believes the Democrat party is the party of John F. Kennedy and uh, Robert Kennedy who have been a part of that brand for so long that they, they don't understand how it's changed and how the Marxists uh, have uh, infiltrated it because it, it was the party that leaned towards a little bit more so, for social change in that. Uh, but the old Democrat party believed in the constitution. They believed in free speech. They believed in the second amendment. They believed equal rights for everyone. Um, but that change that's been evolving drastically over the last few years. Uh, now the left doesn't believe at all in the second amendment. Um, even though they may, some may say they do. Uh, but you have the, the low information uh, Democrat who believes he's just, um, you know, staying with tradition, voting for the, his grandparents um, party they, their whole family has voted Democrat for their entire life and they're just continuing it on and they they don't stay well informed, especially if they're watching MSNBC, CBS, ABC and all the the, the leftist media and Hollywood and the late night shows. They they think they're right in tune with everything, but they don't understand that the the hardcore left, these people are the intentional Marxists. They're trying to undermine the country. They're trying to destroy the Constitution, trying to destroy um, freedom as we know it. 
and they're using these people to continue it on because if you look at the people that they vote for, especially like in Chicago, uh, if people really analyzed what this guy is doing to Chicago, it's, it's, it's an abomination. He's doing nothing uh, to, to stop crime. You look at these Soros prosecutors across the country. And back way back when, when uh, I couldn't understand why Soros was putting so much attention on prosecutors. I said, well, why isn't he going after the senators? Why isn't he going after the congressmen? You know, and then it, of course, in the last few months of last year, it dawned on me and a lot of other people that he's getting the prosecutors in there because they're the ones that can let criminals go, not prosecute criminals, allow them to run the streets and wreak havoc um, and chaos, because in their minds, if you have chaos, that's the more you'll need them. And then they go after people like Trump. <laughs> they go after uh, conservatives. Uh, they go after people who were meandering around in the halls. Not that there wasn't some violence going on in, in, in J6, but nobody died in spite of what they try to tell you. Nobody died except for one girl, uh, Miss Babbitt who was shot by one of the policemen in there for no good reason, really just, just aimed at her and shot her. He could have shot up in the air. He could have, you know, but he wow. shot right at her, killed her. Goodness. Other than that, other than that, there was no violence. The cops that they said died, didn't die there and didn't die from anything. Uh, as far as the autopsies prove, it didn't happen because of J six. One cop they said died because of J6, he was meandering around the halls uh, talking to protesters earlier earlier in the day or later part of the day. So it, that proved that wrong. But they're double standards. They're just, um, and it's intentional double standards. It's intentionally trying to subvert and destroy law and order to where people are confused by it and and that they can manipulate it because what you have now is you have lawfare going on where they're actually using our laws to attack their political opponent, opponents. Mm -hmm. That is banana Republic kind of stuff right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so is it intentional? I believe it is by the Democrat elite because somehow they feel they're going to benefit either monetarily, but majorly uh, they're going to benefit by gaining power in this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the J6. I saw a video some time ago where the police, Capitol Police, were literally just letting people inside the Capitol. They weren't mm -hmm. even trying to stop them. And they, were, and they were unlocking doors to certain offices in there for them as well. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, my, my, my senses went up and I said, okay, this is planned. Something is, is definitely not right about this. And as it goes on and on, even more evidence comes out that, hey, this thing here definitely was not legit. On top of that, Tony, I'm glad you brought up the race relations issue uh, a, a few minutes ago as well, because I was gonna touch on that, right? You have the George, George Floyd incident, and then you have the, the BLM, and um, what, what all that has done has, has been an attempt, I should say, to 
divide people even more. You made a good point. You know, you said over the last you know, 30 years or so, race relations have, have certainly improved um, in our country. But um, without doubt, every, the, 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 uh, the, the, the situations that happened in 2020 with George Floyd and afterwards with the riots um, definitely was an attempt to, to divide. And, and you brought up the thing, uh, the, the situation with the white guilt. I saw a lot of white people you know, um, and heard a lot of white people feeling guilty for being white because of all that. And I'm like, damn, they, like, that's crazy, right? Like, they should not feel guilty for being white. And, and, and uh, again, an attempt to um, separate and divide. Um, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people want to know, out of everything we've talked about up to this point in, in regards to all that chaos and confusion, I think people want to know why, like, what is their end game? I know you mentioned the monetary factor, right? Maybe it could be to make money, you know? Um, could it be anything else? Like, like a guy Soros, you brought up Soros. Why in the hell is Soros doing this, trying to destroy this country in the methods that he's used? Like what well, the big why? I guess that's a million dollar question. Yeah, and that, that's a very good question. And I keep asking myself the very, very thing, but I know that Soros has been in other countries um, hungry. Um, he, he did a lot to try to collapse the system in, um, uh, uh, Great Britain, um, also in Hungary, I believe. And he, he does this somehow he's selling short on stock, but somehow he's figured out a way to make money by chaos through chaos. Mm -hmm. And, First of all, I believe Soros and I believe a lot of people that follow Soros and, you know, people like maybe Tom Sayers, Sayers and a few other them, they, they literally believe that the Constitution is bad. They, they believe the Constitution is outdated. They believe they seriously believe you can't leave power in the hands of everyday people. You can't allow people to make decisions for themselves. They need to be controlled. They need to be treated like cattle. They need to be get in and get their shots when you're, when they're asked to, they're, they're, they're supposed to get their, um, put their mask on when they're told to, they're supposed to obey. And the elitists believe that that is what people are supposed to do. And they're supposed to adhere to, uh, uh, the elites. Um, I've, I've tried to frame it in certain ways and people have, and they do a lot better job at it for me. I, I can illustrate some of my thoughts, but to get down into the nitty gritty and, and uh, sort it out and, and frame it in such a way to where it's cohesive and understandable that I'll have to leave that to somebody above my pay grade. Good. And, you know, you, you mentioned fear, too. I mean, wow. Talk about fear tactics that are used today in this country, right? I guess worldwide for that matter. And when we talk about COVID, we talk about the vaccine and we, we, we chatted briefly on it right before we hit record, right? Um, I'm hearing starting next month in September that these COVID mandates are, are scheduled to return the mask. And I don't know, maybe we'll see lockdowns again, uh, which would be insane. In fact, you posted something very interesting on your Twitter today about a secret letter to the CDC. Uh, top doctor suggests uh, that the CDC got it wrong, got the data wrong. 
um, regarding to, uh, you know, they did this, they misrepresented the scientific data to support the mass narrative. So it's like every damn branch or arm of the government plays their part, right, to uh, put this country down, to put this country to shame. And uh, you mentioned something earlier too, it'll come to me in a minute. Uh, you were, uh, yeah, yeah, you were, we were talking about Seattle, we were talking about Washington. And you mentioned uh, about a guy from, I don't know, you said many years ago, he had this, or he's a radical guy and had this radical organization. And you said it's documented what, what, they, what they've done and, and what they, they still continue to do. And, you know, my thing is, well, why isn't the Alphabet Boys, FBI, CIA, why aren't they on their ass? Why aren't they doing anything about it if it's out there, right? Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Because they've been corrupted themselves. And mm -hmm. this, like I said, a long march to the institutions. Um, when Obama came on scene, he placed a lot of different Marxist minded people like-minded himself into some of these positions. He put them in the IRS. And then uh, we heard about Lois Lerner way back when, when she was targeting tea party people mm -hmm. and, um, and that went nowhere. Um, People who believe in, in big government, big government control, um, believe that Trump should not be president, even though maybe 60% of the American people want him to be president. They don't think he should be, so they do everything in their power to stop it. And we saw that whole thing with Stroke and his lover uh, trying to, you know, uh, comfort each other and in, in, in telling and telling his lover that oh, we have insurance. Well, he never did explain what that insurance is. We can now see um, with the Russia, Russia hoax, uh, the impeach, both impeachment hoax, <laughs> there was no evidence, never was any evidence. Uh, Mueller couldn't come up with any evidence. Um, uh, Durham uh, couldn't come up with any evidence and it's but it's just one thing after another it's, since all that failed now they're going they're going at a micro level with all these uh, indictments through prosecutors out of new york and alabama or um atlanta mm -hmm. uh, it it goes it it's like i said it's it's it very entrenched and it's going to take it's going to take president trump if he if he gets in there or somebody like president trump to get in there and root this out. And it's going to be a hard battle because they're, they're, they're deep in the DOJ, deep into the um, FBI, CIA. I mean, think about it. Obama hired a communist as the CIA director. Right. <laughs> Who does that? I mean, that is just the epitome of kind of tells you where Obama was. You, right. you hire a known communist, a self-admitted communist. That isn't hyperbole. That's just he is a communist. Mm -hmm. And you you put him in as the CIA director. Um, you know, it, 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 so when, a, when Trump came on scene, this had already been set up. He had people, he had anti-Trumpers in the White House working for him. Uh, I think Venman was one of them and a bunch of other people who sabot tried to sabotage his. Um, it's amazing that Trump got as much done as he did, giving all the infiltration of people that were um, held over from the Obama administration. I'm, I'm really imagine if he 
went in and uh, rooted out all the uh, left-wingers and the anti-Trumpers out of the White House and the DOJ. Imagine how much he could accomplish without that. And then think about if he had a, a, a Senate and a uh, House that implemented some of his um, his policies that we know work because it did when he was in there for four years, even though he was being sabotaged. He he sealed the border. Well, I'm not going to say sealed the border, but he cut the border way down. He was putting the wall up. He got our economy rolling. We only had like 1.9 inflation at the time. Gas prices were two, $2. Um, our foreign policy, we were actually getting money from China and he was giving it billions to the farmers. Um, the Germans and the Europeans were starting to pay their fair share of NATO. All these things were happening under Trump. And I could go down, the crime was down. He was going after criminals. He was also had prison reform at the same time. Right. And then you look at what, what the disaster that we're under right now. And I believe, um, again, I'll go back to this is Obama's third term. I think that that Biden does not have the facilities, mental facilities, to even know what day it is or what time of the day it is. Right, you know, he right. might he might know whether or not he likes a certain flavor of ice cream, but he definitely doesn't have any concept of policy or why the policy is being enacted. He's being told he's a he's a great teleprompter reader. Um, <laughs> even at his age, he's able to look at the teleprompter and read it. I know he screws up once in a while. He reads the parts that he's not supposed to, and he gets caught once in a while. Yeah. But just like today, I mean, he was at, or yesterday he was at in Lahaina, Maui. Yeah, yeah. I saw and again, he makes it all about himself. You know, he, he, he tries to show empathy to people who have lost hundreds of people in this fire. And he tries to show empathy by explaining that he had a kitchen fire and he almost lost his Corvette and his cat. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you go there unless you have some kind of um, missing, missing in your faculties? So going on, going on and on about, you know, you asked me a simple question. <laughs> so I, I try to extra expand on it too much, maybe. Uh, but, no, man, uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but I, I would like to know your thoughts on uh, DeSantis. What do you think about that guy down in Florida? I think he's a great governor. I think he's been a great governor. I think he's done some really good things. He's fought the good fight against the woke, uh, protecting kids against the pornography in schools. I know that the left likes to say um, uh, he's banning books. He's banning books. No, he's banning pornography in schools. That's a lot different, but they exaggerate everything, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, but I think he's done great in Florida. I don't think he's, he should be running for president right now. I don't think that it it helps him right now. I think I think the only person that can make serious change, the drastic change we need to interrupt what I call Marxism, Marxists in the long march through our institution is is we need to uh, have Trump in there. He's been there before. He was a little bit naive when he came in. Um, had some of the uh, some of the wrong people advising him, but I don't think I don't think 
he's going to make that mistake again. I think he's he's already picking his people. He's he's. I think he's learned his lesson, and I believe that DeSantis should sit back. He isn't going to. I know that, but um, he. I think he would have made a great vice president. And since Trump can't run a, for a, a third term, I think that DeSantis would be better served by strengthening Florida and and. Uh, strengthen his positions and either be vice president or actually just stay as governor and then run after and then have Trump endorse him to run in the the next election. But I don't think Trump is going to endorse him now after the back and forth I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would definitely like to see DeSantis run as as VP. As you said, it it may not happen, but uh, I definitely would want him over over uh that pence guy man pence oh is, yeah uh, that's he's, he's, that's he's the water, man. Yes, yeah that's he's he's got he smells rhino all the way yes. no <laughs> doubt no yeah. doubt about it so with all this stuff going on man all this chaos confusion tony how do you choose your daily topics man like i mean so much like how do you what, what's your what's your process what how do you do it that's the hardest part is picking which important issue I'm going to expand on or illustrate. Mm. Um, Sometimes it's just, uh, I draw cartoons for a series of people. Uh, I draw car, I draw a cartoon uh, once a week for Americans for limited government. I draw a cartoon for America cares. I draw a cartoon for um, alpha media out of Minnesota. It's usually a, a Minnesotan topic but sometimes it translates into a national topic. I also uh, do one for Swamp Monsters. So what I do is I I sit in my office and I draw up these samples and they're line drawings, basically covering whatever issue. And I've I've got tons of samples sitting on my desk at any given time. And I submit the samples for instance, uh, tomorrow I have a, I, I need to do a cartoon for America Cares. Well, I submitted samples to her and she picks one of my, my samples uh, that kind of goes along with what she's trying to do on her website and her organization. And, um, and, and the same with the rest of them. I, I show them a few samples that I have that mean a lot to me and I allow them to pick. They have choices. So that's basically how it's picked, um, how I how I choose my um, issues. And and then, of course, once they pick the sample, I expand on it. I uh, put in the coloring. I enhance it. I add little things. um, And that's a process for me. Very cool. Anything that you that you won't touch or is everything on the table? Uh, Everything's on the table. It just depends on how I'm going to do it. Uh, I try to, when when it comes to children dying, like in a um, mass shooting, mm. you have to be very careful with that. Yeah, um, yeah, I bet. Uh, the Democrats have a tendency to try to exploit that for their own agenda. Uh, the, the, it, so just a few minutes after it happens, you have a slew of Democrat politicians out there talking about gun control. And nine times out of 10 has nothing to do with any of the laws that have already, any laws that they could pass that would stop it. 
but they uh, Democrats are very I don't uh, Democrats are very good at exploiting things. They they're going to exploit uh, the fires in Lahaina. They're going to exploit exploit all the fires. They exploit hurricanes. They exploit droughts. They exploit heat, heat waves. Every time there's a heat wave, <laughs> there's a it's all due to global warming, yeah, which yeah. is a very big pet peeve of mine because that's something else I've really looked into. Okay. And uh, so uh, getting back to your question, whatever that was. <laughs> so uh, that's basically my thoughts on that. Okay, so so pretty much everything is on the table. But when it yeah. comes to children, you have to you have to be very careful. I definitely understand. Generally, that. a couple of days afterwards, using my cartoons uh, when that ha- something like that happens, a lot of times my cartoons are about Democrats exploiting the death of children mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to advance their agenda. Now, have you ever um, drew one regarding uh, the transgenders in the military? Yes. I just yeah. it just came out with one probably a Did few you? weeks ago. Okay. okay. And uh, uh, I don't, I think the military um, is someplace, and I was in the military, I was in during the Carter years, which he had cut the military back quite a bit. And we were, we were try, trying to survive uh, as far as combat readiness. We were trying, we were using World War to stuff, you know, to, you know, to, 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 to uh, train with. And it uh, wasn't until Reagan got in there and beefed up the military, but I really wasn't in. I was in during the Carter years at the at very end of the Carter years. So uh, he didn't do much for the military. And again, uh, Democrats and Biden and, and that, uh, uh, and it's gotten to the point now to where, They've tried to keep the military from any kind of social experiments, but now they've just gone full bore into it. And I can't see middle America, and this is where the, why they're having problems with recruitment. I can't see, you know, families wanting to send their sons off in a military that screwed up with a guy with a five o'clock shadow wearing a dress. <laughs> and then, you, you know, I just, uh, I could not imagine a drill sergeant in a dress with a five o'clock shadow yelling at me and not being, and being able to keep from laughing. It's, right, right. you know, <laughs> uh, so the recruitment's down and I have oh. the feeling it has a lot to do with the, them trying to um, social engineer with their agenda. And there again goes to, to the long march to the institutions liberals have infiltrated the you know the military and uh everything so uh, 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 well, well what about bricks have you done anything regarding bricks bricks now what's what is that that's where uh you have uh several countries have have come together to uh pretty much denounce the u.s dollar i think russia's in it oh and, oh that that yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah i don't i haven't done much on that um i'll probably probably will at some point. Um, again, this goes back to the Obama administration. I don't yeah. think any of this would be happening under Trump. I don't think we'd be, uh, there would be a Ukraine-Russia war if Trump would have been there. I don't think we'd have to worry about Taiwan or we wouldn't have to worry about Saudi Arabia uh, 
jumping in on the the BRICS thing. I um, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of things that wouldn't have happened if Trump was there, and I I don't know what he can do to stop it once he gets in there, but I'm sure he's going to try. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Hey, Tony, this has been great, man. You you're a very interesting guy, and I, I love what you do. I mean, wow, just you, you're doing a great thing, man. I mean. Um, we talk about self-expression. I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely doing it at the highest level. So thank you for all you do, sir. Appreciate you. Thank sure. you. Thank you for what you do too, you know, uh, putting it out there for people to see and, and some of your, your sh- uh, shows that I've seen on your uh, podcast are very interesting and enlightening and getting different perspectives. That's, I got to commend you for that. Not thank being you. afraid to explore other things. Thank you. Thank you much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I do have one final question for you. And this is something I ask each and every guest that appears on the Hidden Gateway podcast. And that is to please leave our listeners with what I like to call a token of love, something that you feel that the audience needs to hear in this moment. It can be a minute, two, three, four, five minutes, whatever you feel that people need to hear in this moment based off what we're experiencing in society today. Uh, Stay informed. Mm. Um, Read, look at, look at different types of uh, media. Um, if you're just getting one diet of media, let's say if you, all you're watching is Fox News, or if all you're watching is MSNBC, you are not informed. I think Denzel Washington had a quote, and I'm probably going to screw it up. But if you, if, if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. And if you do watch or read the news, you're uninformed Informed, yes or you're misinformed i'm sorry i told you i'd screw it up (laughs) (laughs) but i would i would just i would just keep keep your ear to the ground even if something sounds like it could be a conspiracy theory think about all the conspiracy theories that have come true over the last over the last two years wuhan uh, the Wuhan laboratory, for instance, you could get banned on Facebook if you've mentioned it. Now it seems to be a fact that's happening. Right. Um, the the virus uh, uh, masks don't work. You could get banned on Facebook or Twitter just a, a year and a half ago if you even mentioned that masks don't work. Um, they've had plenty of evidence that masks don't work. Um, that hydrochloroquine and ivermectin don't work. Well, there's proof that it does. And uh, you're a conspiracy theorist if you believe in the Hunter Biden laptop that happened. That was a big conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, here you go again. And it ended up to be true and then some. So whenever you hear a conspiracy theory, you don't have to believe it, but investigate it. Just just. Keep an open mind and investigate. You don't have to believe it. Just just look into it. Mm-hmm. Well said, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And please tell the good people where they can find you. I know you mentioned a few, a few outlets a few minutes ago, uh, but if you could, if you have any social media, I know you have a website or two, where, where can people find you, man, and your work? Well, I'm on Truth True Social, um, AF Branco. A is an Apple, F is in Frank Branco. Um, same with Twitter. Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Getter. Um, I have a Rumble page, um, Branco Cartoons. 
Um, and that's about it. My my main website, if they just want to go back into the archives and look at the recent most recent cartoon and and browse around there, my my main website is called comically incorrect.com. Sweet. Very good, man. Well, hey, Tony, thank you once again for being a guest on the Hidden Gateway podcast. And to our audience, I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, as always, please remember to stay connected with the, with us directly at thehiddengateway.com. Shoot us an email at support at thehiddengateway.com if you like the chat. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube as well. This is going to conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.